Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Welcome. We are so happy you can join us today for another episode of the Flexible Advisor Podcast. It's Laura Gregg here with my co-host, David Partain. David, how is your day going? It is going great, and I think I'm going to feel so much more secure at the end of this podcast. (laughs) You always have to drop those hints, don't you? (laughs) Well, let's get to it. David and I are joined by one of our favorite Northern Trust colleagues today, Lee Freitag. Lee is going to educate all of us on the Secure Act 2.0 and what we need to know about the changes and some of the administrative changes that may have a huge impact for our advisor clients. Lee is the practice lead of the Retirement Solutions Group at Northern Trust Asset Management. He is responsible for the development and distribution of investment solutions and research content designed for institutional and intermediary retirement markets. And as our regular listeners know, David and I have been conducting investor research for many years, but Lee, I think your tenure uh, as a research leader in the organization may eclipse us. Lee is a return guest to the Flexible Advisor. He actually joined us early in the pandemic to speak about the original SECURE Act. I'm thrilled to have you back, Lee, to educate us on the revised legislation. Welcome to the Flexible Advisor. David and Laura, thanks for having me back. It's great to be here again with both of you. Well, Lee, it really is wonderful because, remember, when we see you on a regular basis at the organization and you always have something brilliant to say, and so we learned a lot last time, but we also know that there's been a lot that has changed since we last spoke officially in 2020 on the podcast. So I'm looking forward to getting the updated lay of the land. But before we do that, I'm hoping you'll just remind us about your background and about how and where Northern Trust fits into the retirement space. Absolutely, David. And by way of background, Northern Trust Asset Management has been in the institutional defined contribution space for decades. It's providing retirement thought leadership and investment solutions to help improve retirement outcomes for plan participants. My team has expanded our purview over the last few years and taken our knowledge from the institutional space to create meaningful content and offer retirement income planning tools for the advisor space now as well. And broadly, as I think about it, Northern Trust has significant presence in the retirement market with over $200 billion in defined contribution or DC assets under management, $1 trillion in defined contribution assets under custody, and $13 billion in IRA assets under advisement in our wealth management practice. So I like to think of this holistically as Northern Trust being a meaningful steward of retirement assets across the board and in the marketplace. And when you examine the interplay of institutional retirement assets and IRAs, it's helpful for our advisors audience to understand the magnitude of rollovers in order to prepare their practices for new assets. 
And so according to one of our research partners, Cerulli Associates, a leading research and consulting firm, they actually identified $723 billion in rollover IRA assets in 2021 from retirement plans and expect that to grow at about a 4% clip over the next few years. So in this space, for advisors in particular, we can offer support for your practices by way of topical thought leadership, sophisticated retirement planning tools, key insights from workers and retirees from our most recent retirement insight survey that may help inform your practice. And of course, David, updates on current legislation as in the discussion we will be having today around Secure Act 2.0. Because ultimately, Laura and David, we want to help improve retirement outcomes for today's retirement investors. Yeah, that all makes sense because that's a very big number you just talked about. And it's likely no surprise to anyone who's listening to this podcast that many, many people are ill-equipped for retirement, given that even that number. Give us an overview of what has been the long-running planned participant research study that Northern Trust and you have been involved in. And given that Northern Trust has been involved in this topic for these many years, what have you learned about how participants are taking advantage of the plans they are in and where there are limitations for prospective qualified plan investors overall? Yeah, da yeah David, uh, your first comment really rings true across the industry about people being ill-equipped for retirement mm -hmm. as the industry battles limited access to retirement plans for many people and there's chronic undersaving across the broader U.S. population, which is why our elected officials are spending so much more time now on improving access and savings levels through legislation like SECURE Act and SECURE Act 2.0. And as for our planned participant research study, we've been doing this work for over 10 years. And on a biannual basis, we have the privilege to survey current workers and recent retirees who have a 401k balance about their investing preferences and expectations within their DC plans both before and after they retire. Many times these decisions are influenced by the advisors they work with and help them inform their retirement readiness. The survey we do also reveals the perspectives of those who don't work with advisors, so you can see how investment decisions may differ. And as attitudes and perspectives change over the years, we can share that this year's survey revealed only a quarter of workers and a little over a third of retirees actually believe they have a high level of investment knowledge. This is helpful for our advisors to know so they can be prepared to educate existing or new clients. And additionally, the survey revealed that 65% of workers and 60% of retirees expect to roll or have rolled their retirement plan balance to an IRA. And, and half of the workers surveyed and 72% of the retirees surveyed actually have an advisor. So participants are taking advantage of their plans to the extent they can by investing in professionally selected and hopefully institutionally priced options. And then in many cases, David, rolling into an IRA at retirement where limitations on investment options are removed and opportunities to truly customize at the individual level are optimized by their advisors. All right, so let's, let's get into what there is called the Secure Act 2.0 plan. How is it different from the original 2020 SECURE Act that we discussed in the podcast in, in 2020? Yeah, for sure, David. And, and following fast on the heels of the passage of that original SECURE Act in December of 2019, 
Secure Act 2.0 passed in December of 2022 with strong bipartisan support, which reflects the importance of improved retirement legislation, especially when you consider today's political discourse. Hmm. And while Secure 2.0 passed with some 90 retirement-related provisions, many of those provisions go into effect at staggered intervals over the next three to four years. And broadly speaking, Secure Act 2.0 builds on the access and savings provisions offered up in the original Secure Act package. And so we'll look at about five of those key provisions during today's discussion. So Lee, I'm hoping you can help me. I've, I've been reading uh, some stuff about catch-up contributions and some, I guess, nebulous language in the 2.0 Act that could have a profound impact on people like me. Can you tell us what is going on there and whether or not you think, I think it's uh, section 603, if my notes are right, um, will that be amended before that part of the act goes live? Laura, sure. One of the most important ways to improve savings levels for older people who perhaps haven't saved enough is to allow those over 50 to contribute additional dollars to their retirement accounts. For 2023, this additional catch-up contribution is $7,500 for a 401k plan participant and $1,000 into an individual IRA. Secure Act 2.0 modifies this provision to subject all catch-up contributions to be treated as Roth contributions for those making more than $145,000 per year. This is expected to generate meaningful tax revenues to the U.S. government, which helps offset some of the tax breaks offered in other provisions. The recent problem with this new provision, Section 603, as you've alluded to, Laura, is that there was a drafting error which wasn't identified until after Secure Act 2.0 passed, essentially in changing the language to make all catch-up contributions Roth-like, the authors deleted a key sentence that eliminated the ability for anyone to make a catch-up contribution starting in 2024. Very recently, however, the IRS announced what they call an administrative transition period that extends until 2026, the new requirement that any catch-up contributions made by higher income participants and 401k and similar plans must be designated as after-tax Roth contributions. The bottom line here is that people can continue to make catch-up contributions. And this is great news for older retirement plan savers who want to take advantage of catch-up contributions and for service providers so that they may have the time needed to properly set up their administrative systems to accurately capture contributions that should be earmarked as Roth catch-up contributions according to the new provision. Yeah, that's a uh, that's big uh, a big uh, question mark. For sure. Uh, so earlier you mentioned that there are five key provisions uh, that you said we'd talk about today, and um, I'm I've kind of based a lot of our conversation uh, on a paper that you wrote. Um, but out of the the you know the five key provisions. Um, which one of those do you think will have the broadest and most profound impact today? Yeah, for sure, Laura. There's, a, again, a lot to unpack in Secure 2.0, but front and center is the provision to expand automatic enrollment in retirement plans. And this provision directly states that, you know, the access issue we've been talking about, which is that one of the main reasons many Americans reach retirement age with little or no savings is that too few workers are offered an opportunity to save for retirement through their employees. And for those who can, many still don't participate. And so to solve for this, 
This provision requires new 401k plans to automatically enroll participants in their plans upon becoming eligible. Now, auto enrollment salary deferral within this provision is at least 3%, but not more than 10%, with certain auto escalations provisions in there as well to get people's savings levels up even higher. But all current plans are grandfathered in, and of course, people can always opt out once they're auto enrolled. But we know from behavioral science, inertia usually keeps them there, which helps build a retirement plan balance. So hopefully this key provision will have a meaningful impact on getting more people access and saving in workplace-sponsored retirement plans. Uh, that is, uh, I, I think, such an exciting opportunity for people to be auto-enrolled. It's just taking that extra step. I know I'm always on members of my family to make sure they are enrolled. And, you know, speaking of, I've had some family members who, despite my best counsel, they needed some money and they took it from their 401k before the magic age of 59 and a half. And unfortunately, they didn't, they weren't counseled or they didn't listen. But when they realized the penalties and the taxes that they incurred, they grew sour on the whole concept of the 401k plan, and they never contributed again. I think I understand that there is some penalty relief now available for emergency expenses. Uh, if I'm right, will you tell me uh, about what that is? If I'm wrong, correct me, please. For sure, Laura. And I'd say that more people than we think, you know, even us financial professionals often take loans or distributions from their 401k account to deal with emergencies, you know, medical or otherwise. Actually, and currently, we believe there's also been a slight uptick in hardship withdrawals and loans for participants who are trying to manage short-term expenses in today's higher inflationary environment. However, it's, it's those that take a distribution uh, to take a vacation or buy a new car, Laura, that we really don't want to see. Yeah. But in any case, our elected officials recognize life happens and people need access to their money. So Secure Act 2.0 addresses this in two important ways. First, one of the provisions removes a 10% tax on early withdrawals due to certain emergency expenses of up to $1,000 per year, which reduces hurdles to access. And as a result, participants may be more likely to start contributing. However, of course, income taxes will apply. But additionally, Secure Act 2.0 offers yet another way to prepare for unforeseen financial emergencies by allowing participants to actually save in a designated emergency savings account, which would be capped at $2,500. These provisions address the reality of unforeseen uh, emergencies. And so this may become actually an interesting exercise in behavior. Will people plan to expect emergencies by saving an account, especially for that purpose? Or will they just wait and take a distribution as necessary? We shall see, but the opportunity exists for people to access their money in an emergency, and that's important. So Lee, can we dig into that just a little bit deeper? I'm curious about how you designate that, that emergency fund, if you will, within your qualified plan. What does that look like? So plan sponsors are going to have to work with record keepers to identify a specific account in order to save to save in that manner. So that's going to become some work that record keepers will have to conduct with plan sponsors over time to pull that off kind of as a sidecar, if you will, to the regular savings. Okay. All right. I'm going to just keep going on the theme of what impacts Laura Gregg here. And so <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> One of the things that I've also been reading about and that affects my family are student loans. Do I have it correct that there is also a provision in Secure Act 2.0 about student loans? And if so, can you tell me what it is and the implications that it might have for those people uh, with student loan debt? Yeah, Laura, one of the greatest struggles for newly minted employees right out of college is often paying down that student loan debt. In the past, many have had to make the tough decision of making monthly payments or contributing to their 401k plan, often delaying initial contributions, missing out on the company match, which is the most important thing, and stunting their retirement plan growth. So one of my favorite provisions of all the 90 in Secure Act 2.0 is the treatment of student loan debt payments as elective deferrals for the purposes of capturing the matching contribution, which should help remove the difficult decision for many student debt loan payers of whether to make a loan payment or contribute to their plan to capture the employer match. In the past, that decision has resulted in many participants missing out on the company match, which can be meaningful for many plan sponsors and participants. Okay, so that it's not just all about Laura. <laughs> Come <laughs> and on, Having myself been in several plans due to uh, changing jobs, I really have an interest in um, the access issue and that you mentioned is Secure Act 2.0 tasked with helping provide more and better retirement plan savings access for workers. And what does that look like? Yeah, for sure, Dave. And I think aside from the primary auto enrollment mandate to improve access with that we talked about just earlier, another area of focus in Secure Act 2.0 is part-time workers and their lack of access to DC plans. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that 64% of private industry workers have access to a DC plan. And of those, 36% are part-time workers who have particularly struggled to get access to employer-sponsored DC plans. Both Secure Act and Secure Act 2.0 improved the prospects for part-time workers to gain access by reducing service requirements for eligibility. The original Secure Act mandated that employers with a 401k plan must have a dual eligibility requirement under which an employee must complete one year of service with a 1,000 hour rule or three consecutive years of service of 500 hours each year. So now Secure Act 2.0 comes along and recognizes part-time workers need even more assistance here. So they further reduce the three-year rule to a two-year rule, but that's not effective until December 31st, 2024. But this is definitely the right step in improving access for all workers, particularly a lot of part-time workers. Yeah. Well, sticking with the David theme here right. and mentioning that I had been <laughs> in several plans, let's talk about portability in the revised act. I know I've talked to people who have left employers. I've left employers and I've left the small amount, dollar amount in the 401k with that employer and it's just a hassle to move it. What changes in 2.0 address making it easier to transfer money from one plan to another? Yeah, David, I think there's two provisions in Secure Act 2.0 that address this issue and each come at it a bit differently. And so first, the Secure Act 2.0 allows for an exemption for certain portability transactions. So under the current law, an employer can distribute a participant's account balance without consent if the balance is under $5,000, and the employee has terminated employment. 
Today's law also requires an employer to roll over this distribution into a default IRA if the account balance is less than 1,000 and the participant does not elect otherwise. So Secure Act 2.0 allows re retirement plan service providers, and perhaps this is where record keepers play a more important role, to provide employer plans with automatic portability services that would involve the transfer of balances into the participant's new employer retirement plan. And further, the other provision in Secure 2.0 that addresses this actually will create a national online searchable lost and found database at the Department of Labor to enable retirement savers to search for lost information on prior 401k plans. The Department of Labor essentially has two years to create this database. In case you're wondering, David, about when we could expect to see this go live, so people could actually start searching, or you could start searching for old or forgotten retirement plan information. Wow, that's wow, that's great. That will really be helpful. Yeah. So Lee, we're coming to the close. Man, we've, there's so many things we could talk about here. And as you know, I've been on the show. We'd like to leave our listeners with X, Y ideas. So I'm going to close with a couple of questions. Okay, first, now that the Secure Act 2.0 is live, what should advisors be thinking about for their clients? And does it require a one-on-one -on -one meeting with clients to review their individual situations in light of these changes? Or, and or for those servicing small business owners, what things should advisors check in on? Yeah, David, for sure. It's definitely both of those things. One-on-ones with individual clients to see how Secure 2.0 impacts their retirement planning specifically and advisors working with small business owners in the retirement plans, helping them understand the impact of some of these provisions and what they should be looking out for. For the one-on-ones, key items to consider will be issues related to their participation in 401k plans and their broader retirement planning with you. If that's the case with any of our advisor uh, audience on the phone or on the call here. And depending on age, perhaps advisors may remind younger folks of the opportunity to capture the company match by paying their student loans and being aware of the emergency savings provisions. And for those closer to retirement, discuss the catch-up contribution issue so it doesn't catch anybody off guard and remind them to track any old employer plans made easier by the pending setup of the online searchable database. The one thing we didn't touch on today, David, for retirees is making them aware of the changes in the required minimum distribution rules, which now pushes out those RMDs. And so the RMD age is now 73, starting in January of this year, and it will be 75 starting in 2033. So really important to re uh, remember that in terms of planning now in the future. And finally, for advisors in the small retirement plan space, be aware of the new auto enrollment rules if you're advising on new plans, and be aware of the emergency savings provisions, both the withdrawal rule and the separate account setup rule. In many of these cases with small DC plans, the chances are that your record keeper can assist with managing some of these provisions as well. Wow, Lee, there's so much to even more to unpack here, but we have come to the end of our podcast. But boy, it it is in, incredible how many changes are going on. And thank you for talking with us about the Secure Act 2.0. It is a delight to have you back on the podcast. My pleasure, David and Laura. Thanks for having me again. Thank you. For those of you that want to learn more about this topic, and there is plenty to learn, and you want to know more about Northern Trust Retirement Services, 
please visit the Northern Trust Asset Management Investment Institute at ntaminvestmentinstitute.com, or you can simply follow the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to The Flexible Advisor. We created this show for advisors to help them grow their business. If you like this podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a five-star rating, and most importantly, sharing our podcast with other advisors. For myself, Laura, and Lee, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us today on this episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to The Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.